You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 108. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are going to talk about how to improve business agility with strategic resource management. According to Gartner's recent study on strategic workforce planning, the workforce is struggling and trying to find external resources to backfill is increasingly difficult because of the competitive nature of organizations allowing people to work from anywhere in whatever way they choose. This creates a challenge for PMO and project portfolio managers trying to reach an optimal capacity balance across the portfolio. So in this session, we're discussing how to enable our workforce to become more invested, avoid burnout, and deliver under a continually changing dynamic environment. This episode is sponsored by Tempest Resource. Tempest Resource gives PMOs actionable intelligence, cutting-edge analytics, and real-time scenario analysis, all while minimizing the overhead of managing a resource portfolio. Learn more at pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash 074. Check out their demo and learn a little bit more about how they can help you make a bigger impact. Now with me today is Greg Bailey. Greg brings over 25 years of enterprise software experience in a variety of industries in the resource management and project and portfolio management market, and currently serves as vice president at ProSymmetry. ProSymmetry, at ProSymmetry, Greg oversees Tempest Resource, global sales, and works to ensure a successful transition and deployment with the customer success team, which is what it's all about, making sure you take care of those customers going on that journey, and that's why I love them so much. Now, prior to joining ProSymmetry in 2014, Greg was founder and CEO of SharkPro Software, a Microsoft 2012 Partner of the Year for PPM. He then sold SharkPro Software and came to ProSymmetry to help bring the Tempest resource product to a global audience, which he has absolutely done here. And you definitely want to check them out as a part of the PMO Impact Summit. So with all of that said, Greg, thank you so much for being here today. Laura, it's a pleasure as always to talk to you. We are thrilled to have you. And because of you and your continued support, we're able to continue to bring this to a truly global audience of thousands of PMO and project professionals around the world. And so we are so grateful to have you here and to showcase all that you do to take care of this community and your clients. So thank you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate you being a part of our program. Awesome. All right. So you know what? Let's just dive in. Let's go deep here and quickly because I know our audience listening is like, yeah, this is great, but I need some answers. How am I as a PMO leader or project portfolio manager, even project managers and program managers are having to deal with this challenge of this changing workforce? So are you seeing these changes and what do those look like now with the not just work from home, but work from anywhere that's happening with COVID. I mean, I saw this during when my son was going to school remotely, even kids that were normally at this school in person were taking their classes from all over the world. So this is affecting not just 
our employees, but it's affecting even their families and how people are finding ways to engage and accomplish what they need to from school to work to just how they interact with the world from anywhere. So are you seeing these changes and how's that impacting your community? Definitely you're seeing it. So we deal with clients all over the world. So this is not just something specific to the United States, but it's all of the countries that that we deal with. Two things, right? You start for a while there before COVID, we were seeing a lot of folks talking agile, resource management, teams, how do we set those up? And so now all of a sudden everybody is working remote. So you almost in a way, People, I don't know about you, they almost put more governance on because people are working remote now. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing is that people actually are feeling almost more pressure working right. remotely than they did in the office because they don't have that collaborative team effort. And in a way, there's almost more governance than there was before. And still, even more projects are coming in the pipeline, mm-hmm. depending on the vertical, because of COVID, people had to reach change things up, security issues coming up now, people are having to deal with, as we know, with Colonial Pipeline and others. You got the same amount of people, if not less, with the same amount of work or more work. And so really almost causing a lot of stress even too in trying to get the work done. Right now, and many of us before the COVID pandemic heard of this term VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And For those that were not prepared, they got a buka smack in the face when all this stuff happened. And so now you find organizations and business leaders needing to pivot and transition quickly. And like you said, more projects coming in and resources maybe not keeping up with that same pace. And that has caused, I think, a level of fear, like you said, with more governance. So people are fearful that if they don't micromanage everything and if they're not constantly checking in, then they might not get people to work as hard or get as much movement. And then the staff is feeling suffocated and it almost feels like, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Are you doing okay? What are you doing? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? And that's enough to drive anybody crazy. So that's probably not the answer, <laughs> but how are organizations handling this change and this dynamic, as well as the resource shortage that we keep hearing about in the news, because we've got more projects and maybe not enough people and people leaving organizations because they can do this work from anywhere, creating in some places, I would say, probably a big shortage in staff to handle the workload. Two things. One is generally we've always talked about we've got to try to keep everybody, let's say, 95% allocated. Right. Let's allocate 5% for that non-project stuff. Or maybe it's 80%. But most organizations have some kind of metric, right? Right. The reality is what I find is if you allocate people more work, they actually get less done. Mm. I kind of visualize it. And this is not just for, this isn't for me. This is from the head of the PMO of Lanza, a huge pharmaceutical company over in Germany. And he says, picture in your mind, a Los Angeles freeway or the busiest freeway you could possibly know. And going on this way is jam-packed and going on this way is jam-packed. Now that freeway is 95% loaded. <laughs> you know what? You don't really go anywhere. Right. When you think another freeway where it's maybe 75% loaded, everything moves real smooth and work gets completed. So one of the techniques that even you would think it's opposite is 
don't allocate so much to the people because yeah. also going to allow things to actually get complete. Cause as humans, we like to complete things. We mm-hmm. like to things off. We like to say, Hey, we're done. We've got this completed. So even if you have less staff, don't over allocate. I think you'll end up with getting actually even more work done than you thought with a less or least amount of staff that you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'm finding is that a lot of people think they're short staff because they have no way internally to know what people are working on or skills they have internally. So they're having to go outside and look for contractors. Well, that group is very difficult to find because everybody's trying to find them. But the reality is they probably have a lot more staff in-house than they think that they could probably utilize. So I see more people starting to build a skills repository around that, their internal staff that they can assign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think there's a fundamental, and this was pre-COVID, but I don't think it's gotten much better. A fundamental challenge I see a lot of organizations bringing to themselves, you're creating for themselves when they do their annual budgeting process, and then they've got this list of projects they want to start. And instead of staggering them throughout the year, which is one of the techniques that my friend, Mike Hannon, who's a regular guest at the summit, and actually he'll be talking about that in one of the workshops and showing people how to do some of these techniques. But there's, instead of staggering everything throughout the year, they fire the starting gun on every single initiative right at the beginning of that budget cycle. And so now you have, that's immediately what I thought of when you talked about the freeway. Now you have that 95% utilization, but really you have maybe a 50% productivity, right? And so it's it's a huge challenge that I see that organizations haven't quite figured out that doing all the things at once is not actually effective multitasking. It's extremely painful task switching. And now add to that what you said about organizations feeling they have to govern more. And so now you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay. What are you doing on this? What are you doing on this? And you got 18 projects you're doing. All your subject matter experts are just exhausted and frustrated. And probably it's creating more turnover. Like you said, a lot of them are going to outsourcing because they can do the work from anywhere and get better rates and be in more control of what they're doing and have a little bit more sanity. So I think if we're not careful, business leaders and organizations, PMO and portfolio managers are heading for a disaster if they haven't experienced it already by these challenges we have with more work, less resources, the way we're managing that work and the way we're allocating people to work. So I think you're really onto something here. And so I'm curious, so you gave us some good ideas on some techniques on things people are doing to kind of combat this, but how are companies enabling their workforce to maybe be more little A agile, not necessarily big A agile, but maybe some of that too, related to capacity planning and working on the portfolio so that they're not in this vicious cycle of the completely packed highway and nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned was the whole task switching thing. So that a lot, a little bit around the resource management. So we see when the demand comes in, so you have all these projects that are coming in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. It's almost so important to be able to just do high level FTE planning to start. Now I do see a lot of companies immediately going down to detailed task management and without really saying, well, first off, let's make sure we got the people available to deliver on this work. So that's right. one. You can kind of start with high level FTE, even if it's generic resources, eventually going to name. The other thing around how do we enable the employees to feel like they can be creative 
right? Because we are creative and we've got great ideas and we can think through how this work gets done without being too detailed on it is don't allocate, like you said, too many things to one person because if you're allocating more than two things to right. one person or you're allocating them less than say a half of an FTE, this switching and the amount of time it takes to come back to that effort, you're never going to ever feel like you get a sense of completion. Right. And that's frustration. I mean, I know me personally, if, if I'm supposed to write a white paper and I'm digging in and I go, oh yeah, look at, there's that email that just came in. I heard that. That was really good timing. <laughs> go listen to what is that? Who's Oh, let me go check that out. Then I go get diverted and I start doing this and I go, oh, I got to get back and get that white paper done at deliverables. Yeah. What did I think? What was I doing there again? We've got to figure out again, it's how do we make this more about the people that are delivering the work? Right. Now, you know there are some folks that just really don't want to be there or they're looking for other opportunities and all that because they're, again, COVID gave a lot of people a chance to say, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? I mean, I do see that. But I think that we do have to enable the workforce more to give them that agile agility to be able to be creative on the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and agility doesn't mean it's the wild, wild west, right? And so it's about being nimble, flexible, being adaptive, being able to pivot when necessary, but that's different than multitasking. And I think that that's a really important point that you're making here is that when we do that task switching, that's really what it is. It's not multitasking. It's doing a bunch of things at once really poorly, right? <laughs> and so, and we, this is literally the way our human brain works. So I don't know why so many of us fight so hard against it. Let's work with the way our biology is working. Let's work with the way that we're meant to complete activities. And you've got a really good point. Instead of having your subject matter experts or any of us trying to do 15 things at once, it becomes this big, heavy slog when we do that because nothing ever actually feels like it gets done. Where if we are able to really focus, turn off that email, only work on one project at a time, or have like two or three that are in your queue, but when you're waiting on somebody else, great, then you can switch and focus on another thing. That makes a really big difference to productivity as a whole. And I think a lot of people really I mean, all of you impact drivers watching this, you need to just pause and acknowledge, even say it out loud. We are not meant to multitask. It's just a terrible task switching exercise. We are meant to focus. That's the first step in the impact driver framework, Greg, is instill focus. And that's why we're able to create such big results is that we first must focus and get everybody on our team's focus. So what you're talking about here is very much in alignment with where we start in our impact driver mindset, which is our whole kind of theme for this year's event is we've got to focus and create focus for our teams, make sure we're focused on the right activities, moving those activities forward. And then you actually are able to do, like you said, complete things much faster, get more throughput for the year, have happier people, not have people feeling like they're being governed to death and seeing faster results. And what does that do for us as PMO and project leaders is it builds our own credibility because we were able to make that happen, right? So instead of jamming as much as we can into people all at once, we need to be thoughtful about how we lead our organization to deliver on that strategy. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I think it's a really important point that we tend to gloss over and think we we can just handle it. And it's probably why we have a frustrated workforce. We have a burned out workforce. And if we're going to avoid that, we need to think differently about how we get the work done. Totally. Why even we see people leveraging Excel so much, right? Because yeah. they have no time to get a nice 
central place to view all this data, do what if analysis. Be, and so now you just got all these Excel sheets, you're doing your work. And again, the PMO staff is difficult because half the time they don't own the resources anyway. So how right. do you enable that communication with the resource managers? Right, exactly, exactly. Now, you guys get to work with different industries around the globe. Are there any particular trends that you're seeing either across industries or in very specific segments that have kind of tackled and addressed this problem well? Interesting, and I've got some stories, which again, a couple of these stories are totally unrelated to our topic. But when COVID happened, a lot of industries really shut down, as we know. Disney and those of the world, so things stopped. But pharmaceutical really picked up. One of the areas you talk about resource planning, they literally had to take everybody off existing project work Mm -hmm. to go and try to find animals around the world that they could use to test. Wow. Think about people that normally were PMs that were doing projects. They literally wanted to get on the phone and do emails with the procurement team to try and find animals to test on. So I think as things change, yes, I think we're finding people are actually getting on maybe other projects that they never would have before. I found one large packaging company where they had to, from a logistics standpoint, they couldn't get all their equipment in. Right. Normally, people would be working on IT projects. They had to be put on logistics kind of work. Mm -hmm. So I think what I'm seeing around the world is that we're having to almost figure out, well, what other skills do you have? Yes, you're this, but have you ever done anything in this company before? Have have you been in this industry before? Hey, how, how, you know, do you know anything about smart cities or do you know anything about this? And maybe nobody internally knew that. They just knew you were a project manager. You worked right. at these companies where really you do have some expertise in these areas. So again, I think people are figuring out, we've got to figure out how do we leverage and get the most out of the people that are working at our company because they want to work here. They like working in here. Otherwise they wouldn't be here. So how do we ensure that they're happy and how do we know what knowledge they have? So I think they're looking at, again, companies, it's not just techniques and stuff, but how do we, because the staff are the highest cost item. Right. The people. And we create a budget. Budget's easy to get. It's a low. These companies can raise money. These companies can get loans. Doesn't mean you can get people to deliver on the work. So got to figure out and they're focusing more, I think, on the people side. Right. So if that's kind of the trend we're seeing is more of a targeted focus on the people and making sure that we're right sizing, I guess, our allocation of those people across the different work that has to get done. Are you seeing the need for resource planning and proper resource management kind of increasing as all of this is going on, or are people still being more focused on the task work and task management on the portfolio? Is there a pivot happening there? And what does that look like? Yeah. So I'm going to just tell you, things have not changed much in about 20 years, if not longer than that. What yeah. I mean by that is people have always traditionally tried to use the PM, the PPM tools for resource planning. They all say they do resource planning, right? right. But they tended to be very task oriented. I just did a survey. I just did a seminar and I'm just, and, it, and again, it was real, I won't say subjective, but say there was about 250 people on it. Mm-hmm. 70% of those PMOs said they use Excel for resource planning. Even if they have a PPM tool? 49% had a PPM tool. Wow. And so the reality is 
those tools that we've been using and saying, let's leverage, aren't working. And so that's one of the reasons we've got to figure out how do we lift it up and bring it up a little bit more than where we've been, which is at that higher level. Can we just plan initially at the project level? Yeah. The folks that I run into that are using Excel, almost none of them have tasks on that Excel sheet, right? Mm -hmm. They've got their staff, they have their projects, they're doing FTE or people hours planning or whatever. They may be some tasks, but from a resource capacity, how do that's really what's important is how do we ensure we're assigning the people to the work? The PMs will figure out what work has to take place. And we have to to check off that work, but having enough bodies to deliver on it, 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 we don't have to go to that level of detail. Well, this is to me personally, this is very concerning because well, first of all, we got to make sure that we have built the foundation of the right things that we need to deliver. And we know that being able to answer questions that our decision makers have and give them the information they need to make educated, informed decisions quickly means we've got to have real-time information that tells all of the story components in one place, right? So to me, it's extremely concerning when we're talking about no one source of truth, right? So we have part of that information off in a spreadsheet somewhere when who knows how often that's getting updated. Now, another part of information that's related to the task work being done that's in another place. And then this is why PMO leaders will go into a meeting and they'll say, well, here's where we are and here's what's going on. And somebody pipes up and says, no, no, actually, that's not where we are right now, right? Because you have multiple sources of truth for different views of the information. It's not being updated in real time. There's no way to connect the dots on that. And I, listen, I love myself an Excel spreadsheet and it has its limitations on what it can do to actually give you real-time information in a meaningful way to help drive faster decision-making. So what happens is the PMO leader that went into that meeting that gave that information that was immediately shot down has lost credibility which pulls them further away from having their seat at the table in these conversations. We also have the problem then of all of the extra work we've created for ourselves by having them have to update multiple things in multiple places and hound people and track them down to say, sorry, I need this information to update my manual spreadsheet. Oh, and yes, you've got to put another variant of that information over here in this tool. Like that's just that's why we're not productive. We become administrative overhead because we're doing so much administration. And that's why I love technology to automate the right process, right? And the right enabling frameworks. But we've got to have technology to do that. Otherwise, we are just administrative overhead. All of that box checking and data tracking down and repeat of information in different places. And I mean, it just, it makes me sick. Oh, because And I think it's, if you think about it, what PMs need, or the PMO needs, and what a functional manager or a resource manager that owns his people need, right? right? So right. in many cases, how do we bridge that best of breed that right. the resourcing side needs, and then also what the PPM side needs? And again, there's nothing wrong with integrations, tying right. together, but trying to have, an, in some cases, I've just seen these even in the software side, companies started out as a specialty tool now say, we do all of it. Right. Well, that's great. It's like, you do it all, but none of it really good. Or yeah. maybe a couple areas that are really good, right? right? So even now I'm seeing where, let's at least get that resourcing side off of Excel. Right. In this tool, but then let's figure out how we tie it together, like you said, because 
you know, very often the resource managers, they're just not getting discussed or they're saying, yeah, 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 you can have them, you can have them because they don't really have a tool that says, yeah, I've got, but I've also got them on five other things someone needed to. Right. And so it's a real enabler, not just for the PMO leader, but also for the resource managers to be able to control some of that overload that we experience when we put our people on too many things. It gives them the insight to see, okay, I've already got them on too many things. That's why they're complaining to me. That's why stuff's not getting done. That's why I got all these project managers like hounding me because this key critical resources are being over allocated and that's going to really reduce productivity instead of get more stuff done. So I think this is a really important part of the dynamic. And it's something I hear from my PMO leaders a lot is, hey, I got to work with these resource managers and they can't give me good information about who's where, what's going on, or when I can have such and such resource. And it's because we don't have this kind of key central date position place for the information we need. So it just slows down the whole works, right? And that's really frustrating to me. But we might have people that are listening that maybe are a little earlier in their resource management maturity life cycle, let's say. So, but you have this really cool resource management maturity model that you've talked to me about. Can you talk about what the, like the three or four things are that enable people to move up in resource management maturity kind of in this framework you have? And could you explain a little bit about this framework? Yeah, sure. So, and I won't say that I developed this framework, right? So I'm going to give credit, a lot of credit to Donna Fitzgerald, who is a Gartner Gartner analyst for over 10 years, the lead PPM analyst, and has been in the agile world forever. And she works here now. So if you do want to talk to somebody really smarter than me, you can we can hook you up with uh, Donna. And so, Donna is speaking at the PMO Impact Summit again this year. She's a regular guest on the Impact After Hours live stream fun and casual Q&A sessions we do with thought leaders in this space. I love Donna. She's on the podcast as well. We have her all over the place because she's just a incredible wealth and deep wealth of insights and knowledge and history, but also like we were talking about before, a great future predictor of what's coming, where the trends are, what's happening. So you, Greg, I got to say, you are lucky to have snagged Donna. She's a keeper. (laughs) She's really good. So I think generally what I find is from, like you said, if we look at a maturity model, right? So it's Start simple and then we figure it out. So a lot of folks, even if you can start out planning at a phase one at a generic role level. So obviously you may have 50 people in your group. You may have 100, you may have 2,000, you may have 5,000. And maybe it might be too difficult to initially start with name person. Just start with generic resources. Just say, hey, I've got X25 FTEs of an analyst. I have 15 of this and start planning at your project at that level, right? That's a good phase one, just even do role. Now, some of you on this call, I'm sure are beyond that already, you are assigning people. But what'll happen is even if you just start generically, you can then communicate to the functional manager, hey, this is what I need. They will then say, great, let me look at my team and now I'm going to give you this person. So now you can go to the next step and start saying, let's take those generics and start swapping them out with named people on that work. So I think even as we look up and we've got a really nice white paper, I think folks will be able to get afterwards the resource management maturity model that Donna worked on that you'll be able to get. But it's again, it's just starting simple, working our way up. And again, adding skills matrix in the mix. I won't go through all of it with you because you'll be able to read it in the white paper. That's awesome. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about this whole event 
that we do with the PMO Impact Summit is all about putting ideas into action. So at the summit, the resources have on this page where they find this video, they're going to have access to an action-taking resource, which includes a white paper and next steps that people can take. What's the most important? So download the white paper, read it. And then what do you want people to do like next to get started on this resource management journey and improving their resource capabilities? Yeah. So I'm going to just tell you, contact us. And we'll let you have a conversation about what you're doing today. And we'll get Donna on a call with you. Yeah. So you can have a call with Donna, understand your requirements, see what you're trying to do. How do you work your way up? That's one thing. Make that available to you. And sorry, Donna. Yes, I did offer you on this. Thing. <laughs> the second thing is, if you'd like to actually, we've talked about processes, best practices. We obviously have some software that supports that. We're happy to demonstrate the product, set up trials with you. If you want to talk to me, some of you might like me, some of you may not. Either one, feel free to reach out. Happy to just talk to you about what you're trying to do there. Yeah. And during the whole promotional period from June to September at the PMO Impact Summit, anyone can register for free. And then once they do, they can watch a video about ProSymmetry and Tempest Resource and what you guys are doing and how you do it, and then connect with you guys at the event to engage in really meaningful conversations. So we'll have Donna there. We'll have you there, Greg. We'll have people available to have a great conversation right there at the summit. And I think that's a really important part of all this is we are all about taking action and uh, great ideas are just knowledge. They're just information. They don't make an impact until you put those ideas into action. So I highly recommend that you download this white paper, start taking action on it, reach out to Donna, reach out to Greg, go check out their virtual booth, ProSymmetry at the PMO Impact Summit so that you can engage in real conversations with people to talk about your specific scenario. Greg, can you tell us a little bit more about ProSymmetry and how you serve? I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little, but I'd really just like to give people a snapshot of who you are, what you do, and how you serve before we wrap up here. Yeah, so really, we're a software company, and we have clients globally, and it's really all about resource portfolio management. Now, yeah. <clears throat> we have a lot of clients that they'll do demand management in Tempest with workflows. But it's all about how do we provide supply versus demand. We've been around for since 2012. I have to go back. It might actually be sooner than that. It might be, I, I really be honest, with you, it might be 2007. And then 2012 is probably when the product came out. I have to go back. Yeah. And I apologize for that. But we're purpose built around this resource capacity planning. And companies like Deloitte, Siemens, Health and Ears, and others have literally seen like where they can complete 30 to 50% more projects through their pipe. It's amazing. And I'm not just saying that. I promise you all, you'll look at the tool. You'll be able to do what if analysis. It either works or it doesn't. But we're globally growing. Biggest year ever, even during COVID. And I think it's because people really got to figure out how do we do better resource capacity planning. We're some of those employees. Everyone here loves what they do. They yeah. are we love helping people out. We love talking to you, whether it's us, our tool or another tool. We just love working with the people we do. Well, and you guys have been a fantastic partner to us. We love what you guys do and how you serve this community, which matters so much to us. So, and you snagged Donna. So you got to be doing something right. <laughs> so Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. I think this is the way that we need to think differently about managing resources and being more agile in our approach to resource management utilization and ultimately delivering more value faster by maybe slowing down a little to 
speed up. So Greg, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much to you and ProSymmetry for all you do to help us make a big impact in the PMO space. And I really appreciate your time. Laura, we look forward to seeing you once again live. Yes, absolutely. And don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Tempest Resource. Tempest Resource gives PMOs actionable intelligence, cutting-edge analytics, and real-time scenario analysis, all while minimizing the overhead of managing a resource portfolio. You can learn more and check out their demo at pmostrategies.com forward slash zero seven four. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash All right, Impact Driver, that's it for today's session. Thank you so much for your time. Check them out now, today. Now, I want to hear from you. Greg wants to hear from you. Even Donna wants to hear from you. Sorry, Donna. Uh, but I know she'll be all for it. She loves engaging with this community. We want to hear from you. Download that white paper. Let's take action on what you are learning here at the PMO Impact Summit. And we look forward to continuing the conversation online. All right, we'll see you in the next session. Bye-bye for now.